Hello, law firm owners, and welcome to another episode of Wildly Successful Law Firm. I'm your podcast host, Nermeen Jasani, and your law firm consultant. I'm here to help you have a wildly successful law firm. So let's get right into today's episode. So my team and I have spent some time scouring the internet. And while we were scouring the internet, we happened to come across a lot of really, really terrible, like really terrible law firm advice. And we went through Reddit, we went through Fishbowl, we also went through Quora. And the amount of bad law firm advice that I saw in there made me wanna cry. And it's also a testament to why I'm even doing these podcast episodes and these YouTube videos. It's because I want to set the record straight on what law firm growth looks like in 2021, how to be a successful law firm owner in 2021, not in, you know, 1992, right? Like I really want you to have a successful law firm today and all of this advice that's out there is so outdated and it's so wrong, right? Like I do not want you to practice law like this. So I'm gonna share with you some of the, the really bad ones that are out there and I'm gonna tell you why it's really bad and hopefully you don't do this. And if you know someone who is doing this, please send them this podcast episode so that they stop doing it, okay? so. Let's start with uh, terrible legal advice about how much to charge your hourly rate as your hourly rate. Okay, so a couple episodes ago, we did a Q&A episode on hourly rates and pricing and things like that. I've done a couple other episodes on that. Today, we're gonna look at the actual advice that lawyers have given to other lawyers on how to charge for their services. Okay. One example was to go to McDonald's, figure out how much the Big Mac is there, and then multiply that by 100 because that would be a good indication of how to figure out what your hourly rates are. I'm trying really hard not to laugh through this because it is, I, it, this, is this is real stuff, it's written and I don't want to point out the person who gave this advice. However, building your hourly rate, your rate period, whether or not it's hourly, whether it's like a flat fee, based on the local cost of a Big Mac is kind of ridiculous. You know, the, what's interesting is there's actually someone in that same sort of series of conversations, that same chat that a few comments below said, well, my local Big Mac is $4.99 and that would mean I would charge $499 an hour. And that is in like the top 0.1% of what people charge hourly rates here. So yeah, not exactly a great sort of measure to figure out how much to charge. Uh, so, so please don't use that as an example, that's, that's just terrible. Um, you can get all sorts of, of results when you try to base your pricing off the price of a Big Mac. And it, it just don't, it doesn't feel right to me to have lawyers 
try to build their pricing based off of a Big Mac, like something that is questionable meat that, you know, is not even, you know, all that great. Sorry to say it. But anyway, um, the other response in another lawyer, here's, here's what another lawyer said in response to how to figure out your hourly rate, especially if you're starting out as a new attorney. Charge what you can get. Charge what you can get. Okay, there's so much wrong with that and this is why so many, so many people hate lawyers, right? Because they all think that we are out there to get as much money as we can. And the whole legal profession has sort of dwindled down to, well, what do you charge an hour? And the only way we can get people to have honestly a real conversation about who you are as an attorney and the services that you provide is when we stop making the conversation about pricing and we start making it based on who are you, what is the problem that you have, and am I the right attorney who can help you solve this problem? And if so, here's why I'm the right attorney who's gonna help you solve this problem. Here's why I'm gonna let you go back to sleep at night. Here's why I'm going to make your life stress-free, right? That's what the conversation needs to be. The value that we are providing to our clients, not I charge X amount of dollars an hour, right? Because you have boxed yourself in and you can never get out of that box if you keep speaking that way. So charge what you can get. No, that's, that's not, that's, that's really terrible advice, okay? Really terrible advice to law firm owners out there. Okay, let's get to the next really bad piece of advice, terrible law firm advice, okay? You have to spend money to make money. Okay, I know that this is like one of those proverbial sayings, right? Like you gotta spend money to make money, but this is also one of the things that's been said so much that makes people feel like, okay, they have to spend money on the expensive marketing, they have to spend money on the, on the big office, they have to spend money on the secretary plus the paralegal plus the, the legal admin when, you know, it's just one attorney, right? Like, it's just, it's just silly when you really apply what this statement means. You have to spend money to make money. That's not true. Okay, look, there are startup costs to having your own law practice. There are also operational costs to continuing your law practice. Westlaw, LexisNexis, whatever your case management software is, whatever fees you pay on credit card processing, uh, QuickBooks, uh, having you know a, a phone number where people can reach you. Yes, those are all costs, legitimate costs to being a law firm owner. However, just the blanket statement of you have to spend money to make money is what gets lawyers into trouble, right? This is where they end up investing in things that are just not right for their law practice. So yes, 
as a general rule of thumb, you do have to, running a business does cost money. However, you do not have to spend money to make money, right? You don't need to spend $5,000 on pay-per-click, right, to get new clients. That's not the only way to do it. You don't need to put up a billboard. You don't need to have radio ads. You don't need to join the creme de la creme of a networking group or, or you know, a, a country club to then make money and attract new clients, right? Like you don't have to do all of those things to make money in your law practice. There's other ways to make money as a law firm owner and you don't have to spend your money to make money in those ways, okay? All right, so here's here's something else that I saw. And you know what, if you're on LinkedIn, maybe you notice this too. Okay, so in the last few weeks, I've noticed everyone and their mom has a poll. Like they, they're running a poll on something, which I think is really ridiculous. Um, and then people started making fun of the polls. So, you know, response one was, I'm just putting up this poll for no reason. A, please don't respond. B, seriously don't respond. C, really seriously don't respond. Okay, so here's terrible legal advice number three. Post on LinkedIn for three days, 30 days in a row. Post on LinkedIn for 30 days in a row. Here's why that's really bad law firm advice, okay? What happens after the 30 days? You have now just engaged this whole new audience that you never had before. And you're engaging with them for 30 days. But then what happens on day number 31? Where they're like, hey, by the way, like you were posting stuff and now you're no longer posting anything? Like, Oh, so you were just here for a little bit and you're not here forever. It makes people think that you are unreliable and that you're just there for the quick second, for the quick buck. And that's not exactly how you wanna be perceived as an attorney is unreliable and untrustworthy, right? Okay, so whatever you do, don't just post on LinkedIn for 30 days and then nothing after day 31. In all honesty, the LinkedIn algorithm that I've talked to as of the date of this publishing, I've talked to a lot of LinkedIn experts and the general consensus is you post on LinkedIn two times a week and that's it. Not 30 days in a row because the LinkedIn algorithm will then stop showing your content to people who may otherwise have seen it before. So whoever said post on LinkedIn for 30 days in a row, the, the algorithm is not gonna like you if you do that. And they don't like content that feels spammy. And LinkedIn is trying really hard not to become Facebook or Instagram. So if you try to apply the same strategies that you do on the other platforms, it's not gonna work. They're just not gonna show your content and the algorithm is just going to learn to just hide your content because of the frequency at which you are posting. So please be conscious of the LinkedIn algorithm and know don't just post for 30 days and then nothing on day 31. I would rather you post two days a week and extend those 30 posts out then to 15 weeks, which is 
almost four months of regular content and engagement with your audience. That is a much, much better option than just blast LinkedIn for 30 days in a row and that's it. Like, that's a lot for LinkedIn. Please don't do that. Keep it consistent, keep it steady. So two a week for, you know, four months and that's the same as the 30 posts in a row. The same content, just more spread out so that the algorithm doesn't like ban you forever, essentially, right? Okay, so here's the last piece of bad law firm advice for today's episode. And it just, it hurts me to read some of these. I just want you to know that as I'm reading this. Never turn down a paying client. Okay, that is just bad life advice, not just bad law firm advice, it's like just bad advice period. Because fill in the blank with, okay, never turn down a date. Okay, well, what if they're just a terrible human being, a psychopath, you don't like them? Never break up with someone because you'll never find someone else again. Uh, it, it, the implications of never turn down a paying client are just too extreme. So number one, I've talked about this a lot, you know, difficult clients are exactly that. And if you don't have to work with them, as in it's not dire, it's not life and death, you don't need their money to eat, essentially, then you should absolutely turn down that client and that work. And there are things that you can look for, triggers that you will learn over time, indicators that this is not gonna be an ideal client for your practice and is not worth any amount of money that they're willing to pay. You will get better at identifying those over time, but as a general rule, you should turn down paying clients because let me give you a story. I had a client once who had been doing doc review and had his own law practice. He was a doc review attorney in New York. He moved to New Jersey, started his own practice, kept some of the same contacts and offered to do doc review for a smaller price since he was now in New Jersey instead of New York, the rates are less. He was only charging $75 an hour for doc review. And the New York attorneys were charging 150, 200 an hour for doc review. Now, given the level of experience that this person had, the familiarity with doing law of doing doc review of you know, having worked at a bigger firm before doing this kind of work, understanding, you know, what the client is looking for, how to be efficient when it comes to doc review, all of those things worked in this client's favor. And my client would, had started his practice and took this on and was committed to it, like couldn't get out of it. And that is just such a bad situation to be in because then when new clients wanted to work with him, when he was actually getting a lot of traction based on the marketing that we were doing for him and 
the plan that we had created and the specialty and how he was going to provide his services and his messaging and everything, when he started getting traction on all those other areas with people who were willing to pay, you know, $2,000, $3,000 for a contract, he was like, oh my God, what did I do? I'm, I agreed to do this for $50 an hour and now I'm in this situation where you know, I can't get rid of them and, you know, I'm stuck in this not ideal situation. So don't be that lawyer. Don't end up underpricing your services. Number one, do not feel like you can't turn down paid work. You can. And the more you start turning away bad clients, the more better clients will start working with you because you're getting really clear on who you're gonna work with and what you are not going to tolerate. And those clients end up magically disappearing and you end up bringing in the clients who respect you and value you for who you are and the expertise that you have. Okay, so that is round one of really bad law firm advice. If you like this episode, if you enjoyed it, if you want me to do it again, if you have bad law firm advice that other people have given to you, please, please, please share it with me so that we can do an episode on it and we can teach other law firm owners not to do these bad things for their law practice, okay? All right, so that's everything for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening in and I will catch you at the next episode. Bye, lawyers.